Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And today we have as our topic this idea of what does a believer do now? Well, of course, there's a certain element in the modern church that says, well, you don't have to do anything. You just have to believe. You can, you can do absolutely nothing, and you're saved by grace alone. Which is true, you are saved by grace alone. But what you do is evidence of whether or not you really believe. Because if you don't believe, you're going to do a certain amount of things, certain kind of things, certain things you will do and certain things you will not do. If you do believe, there are certain things you will do and certain things that you will not do. And that's what we're going to be exploring. It says, what does a believer do now? What does a believer do? Does he keep the commandments? As many as love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you keep my commandments. What was his commandments? You know, they're the pretty simple. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And you know that in the Bible, most of the places where they talk about adultery, they're talking about a national adultery. In other words, they stop being the bride of Christ, the, the uh, uh, marriage of God and man. They they married other gods, small g gods. They contracted with small g gods. They fornicated with small g gods. Most of the time, when you see the word adultery. In the Bible, even really, actually in the New Testament, a lot of times they're talking about fornication, and we think that they're just talking about sexual fornication. In actuality, they're talking about dabbling in a relationship with those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. What would be a form of fornication? Public education. Is a form of fornication. 501c3 church is a form of fornication. Now, I'm, I'm not talking yet about intent. I'm just talking about the external form. Now, there are many people who have formed 501c3 corporations and called it a church out of ignorance, not understanding what they are doing, because they are genuinely desiring to write. They are told, do this, and they do it. And sometimes I hear preachers saying they felt funny about it. They felt like maybe they shouldn't do it. But everybody kept saying that's what we were supposed to do. So we did it. And now they they have a hard time coming to grips. They find themselves even defending what they had twinges of conscience about doing themselves. But now that they've done it, they will defend. Oh, yes, but we... I don't know, because somebody said so. <laughs> they didn't really have to do that. You know, and, and talking with a lawyer once, that he was saying, oh, well, this is what we all do. And he said, yeah, but do you have to do that? Well, this is what churches normally do, but do you have to do that? Well, I guess not. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. You have to do that if you want certain benefits, maybe. And in our booklet and chapter on uh, body of Christ versus the body of the state, we make it very clear. They make it very clear. 
They write up booklets, the advantages and disadvantages of filing a 1023 with the IRS. The disadvantage, you become strictly regulated. <laughs> That's a disadvantage. Because you're, you're going to be strictly regulated by the wicked servant who does not believe in Christ. He, he beats those who owe him. He penalizes those that owe him. He twists their arm. He is a wicked servant. The church can't do that. The church doesn't have that right. You have the right to decide. The church is the government of God where you are empowered with the responsibilities and rights that God originally gave you. The higher power of choice. The original power of choice. That was given to you by God. And the church has no right to take it away from you, even though the church is one form of government. It is the form of government whereby you maintain your rights under God. Now, entering into contractual agreements and applications and prayers to other governments is a form of fornication and adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery, according to Christ. Thou shalt not kill. Who killed more people in the last century than anything or anyone else? Governments. They kill people all the time. 20 million here, 23 million there. After a while, you're talking about a lot of people. But that doesn't mean that all governments are bad. Some governments are good. Governments fashioned after the ways of Christ. It's just that there's not very many of those around anymore. You don't have much of a choice. Now, if you look back in history, on this day in history, the former Vice President Aaron Burr was acquitted on charges of plotting to annex the territory of Louisiana and Missouri in order to establish an independent republic. So he was accused of doing that because government hates competition. One government hates competition. They don't want you plotting to form an independent republic from them they will persecute you, they find out. They will arrest you. They will put you in jail. Did you know that the early church is referred to as a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire? A viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. Is it any wonder they were persecuted? Because they were forming an independent republic. They weren't in annexing Louisiana, Missouri, but they were annexing the hearts and minds of men who came together to provide all the benefits of government through faith, hope, and charity, which is what Israel was for 400 years. They depended on faith, hope, and charity in order to provide the needs of government. Can you do that? Can you imagine people doing that today? It is so far removed from our thinking that nobody thinks it can be done. Well, you can't do that. Nobody would cooperate. Oh, Christians would. 
true Christians would. In 1821, on this day in history, William uh, Bucknell took a group of traders from Independence, Missouri, toward the Santa Fe, blazing a Santa Fe trail. Why? They're looking for independence. The people in Independence, Missouri, were looking for independence. <laughs> blazing a trail. Why? Because people had started changing the nature of their relationship with government. Most people will go the wrong way. On this day in history, in 1836, Marcus Whitman and his wife, uh, Narcissa, established the first American settlement in northern Oregon territories. And Narcissa was one of the first white women to travel the Oregon Trail. Why were they going out there? Well, partially to spread what they saw as the gospel, but looking for that independence going over the hill. Now, Germany, on this day in history in 1939, invaded Poland because it had a different nature. It was socialist. Nazis are socialists. The National Socialist Party. And they invaded Poland because that is the nature. They, they believe in force. They don't believe in charity. They don't believe people will be charitable. They believe in force. And, and why did they, on this, actually on this day in history also in 1941, they required the yellow star to become obligatory to be worn by Jews under the Third Reich. Why? Why were they picking on the Jews? Because they were an alternative society. They, they tried to keep separate. And because it always pays, if you're going to be a totalitarian, to blame everything on somebody. And that was convenient because they were separate. Today, you know, there are people fleeing countries in Europe, including Germany, because of the fact that they want to homeschool their children. And the courts in Germany have ruled that they can't have an alternative society. they got to have one. They don't want you to be independent. Christ wants you to be independent, but he also wants you to come together. But he wants you to come together bound not by covenants, contracts, and constitutions, but bound by righteousness, by love for one another. Even as late as 1991, we see Uzbekistan on this day in history declares themselves independent of the Soviet Union, which Eventually, all these things create conflict because they want you in a one-world order, new-world order, which is not that new and not that orderly. But what does a Christian do? What does a Christian do? That's the big question. You know, a fellow writes, thank you for your response, Brother Gregory. I have read some of the material at HHC's site, and it makes a lot of sense. Nevertheless, it would be helpful to read and know what does a believer do now? Since we have ignorantly, and that's what I was pointing out earlier, ignorantly many times, believing we have done a goodly thing by being subject to authority, entered into contracts, citizenship, etc. 
this is this is what happened to the Nicolaitans. This is what why Esau Esau sold his birthright for a pot of red porridge, which is a very interesting. Why was the porridge red? <laughs> the word red there is the word Adama. It's we become cannibals. We eat one another. We eat the sons of Adam because we take from those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. That is the red porridge. And then someone else wrote, so what about all of us poor saps stuck in this system heading into the Great Tribulation? Do we just burn in hell or what? <laughs> well, first thing we have to do is stop thinking about ourselves. Stop thinking about saving ourselves. Christ didn't come here thinking about saving himself, serving himself. He came here thinking about serving others, saving others. When you change your mindset in that direction, when you're willing to change your mind in that direction, willing to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, willing to know the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and provide for it. Willing to see the light, willing to return to the garden and accept responsibility for what we've done. Then, a whole new world begins to open up. Flow of life begins to change in us. I agree with Romans 13. Let every soul be subject to the higher right to choose the original right to choose, the most excellent right to choose, which is the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God in your hearts and in your minds. For there is no right but of God, because we are endowed by our Creator with all of our rights. Everybody else simply endows us with privileges. All the rights that be are ordained of God. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the right, resisteth the ordinance of God, because you should have those responsibilities. If you don't, you are the slothful. And they that resist shall receive for themselves damnation. In other words, they will be bound. The slothful shall be under tribute. Now that that's where you find yourself, repent. Now, what do we do? What does that look like? What does it look like to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? These rulers are a terror to those, really, who have abandoned the ways of God, who have been slothful in the ways of God. And what is the ways of God? Family, taking care of your family but also not forsaking the gathering together. You're seeking independence, but you cannot forsake the gathering together. Binding yourself by honor and faith and hope and charity and love for one another. That means to come together in congregations where you can actually keep track of each other, which means that you have to have a record of your congregation connecting with other congregations. That is bearing witness. That is 
professing him on the record. We're going to look to one another by faith, hope, and charity to provide health, education, and welfare. We're going to do it not only with me and my buddies, but with me and everybody else that I can gather together with who want to go in this direction. We don't have to all move to the same town, but we have to gather together in a network. And the more we do that, the more we find others who will do that, the more we are doing it so that they can say, look what they are doing. And, of course, we will always say it is not us, but God doing it through us. Because we don't want to take the credit. But they have to see it being done. Because they need help with their unbelief. Many of you are working hard and diligently because you see it. Not by what is already done, but by the fact that you believe it is possible to do what God has said for us to do which is to be a government based on love. Not patriotism, except patriotism to God. Patriotism, patriot, patria, it comes from the word father, which is actually connected to uh, other words, but basically it's father. So we, if we love God, and He is our Father, and He is who we pray to for our daily bread and not to the fathers of the world for our daily bread, then, then we are on the right track. We are moving in the right direction. And the rulers of the world are not terror to that work. To evil. Now that doesn't mean that they won't persecute because they see you becoming an alternative society. But they have to break their own laws in order to persecute us because it is written in the law that we can do this. That's why we wrote the Free Church Report to show you that they even say this is lawful. These are the men that do contrary to the decrees of Caesar because they don't have to. Follow the decrees of Caesar because they are separate. They are another form of government. Now, this is not a McDonald's solution. You have to actually become that which we are talking about. And you cannot do that without forming those congregations. So we created the network. And you can get on the network by going to hisholychurch.org and joining that network. But then you're just on an email group. You can pick a contact minister who will give you more information. I would tell people, most of the emails that pass about do not go through the groups. Most of the communication that goes about do not go through the groups. The groups are so that you can make contact. Once you do that, you need to be connecting directly with each other through a network. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. And that is a process to get to that point whereby your tribute is paid to God. 
man anything, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now that love has to be a love of action, of doing. And you cannot do that practically without these congregations, which are simply free assemblies. You have the right to lawfully assemble. But we don't contract away our rights in the kingdom. We maintain our rights. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. See, if you contract away your rights in order to get benefits, that's a form of adultery. Most adultery is national adultery. And that's what they're talking about. The Parthenos, the Virgin Temple. That's where you went to get your benefits. He's talking about where do you get your benefits? It's it, Yeah, he's using the metaphor of an actual virgin, but that is what... That is really being talked about. Because he knew that if you profess Christ with your lips... You can't go in those places anymore. You're ostracized. You need to love your neighbor as yourself, and that love needs to be an act of love. Or your neighbor will not starve. He will not go without education. He will not go without health care. Because you're there for him. If you don't have this down in the activities of your life, the rest of your doctrine means nothing. Because this is the crux of what Christ was saying to do. And this is not a from the pew love. This is from the streets love. Down here where the rubber meets the road love. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. And therefore, you could not send out ministers to work ill upon your neighbor, to force your neighbor, to twist his arm. If you're a Christian, you couldn't do that. Because you would not be working any ill towards your neighbor. You will not be forcing him to do anything that he does not choose to do. And therefore, that love will appear as the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time that now is high time to awaken out of your sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Nearer than when we believed. In other words, what the fellow was writing, he was beginning to believe that there was something missing. There was this cognitive dissonance where there were two conflicting ideas, that it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, but it's not okay to covet your neighbor's goods. You see the conflict there? It's not okay to be the wicked servant, but it's okay to send men out to be like the wicked servant so that I can have benefits. It's not going to work that way. So anyway, we'll talk more about what you can do if you're really a believer and what will show you whether or not you're really a believer or not when we return to Keys to the Kingdom.
I pledge allegiance to the King of kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and our heavenly Father, grace, mercy, justice for all. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Did you ever wonder about the virgin birth? Know somehow that it must be true, but never really understood what it was all about? Perhaps you have faith in Messiah, but cannot quite believe in a virgin birth. Why is it an integral part of faith in Messiah, and why would biblical faith in Messiah be worthless without it? These questions and many more can be discovered by seeing The Greatest Prophecy DVD. The first chapter, for which the DVD was named, is a precise explanation of these mysteries. After seeing chapter 1, you will no longer have any doubt as to why belief in the virgin birth is indispensable to faith in Messiah, and why it is indeed the greatest prophecy of the entire Bible. We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. So as we read on in Romans 13... We're seeing that thou shalt not covet. So you can't desire anything to be taken from your neighbor to benefit yourself. And you should not be bearing false witness that says that you believe in Christ when you actually aren't doing what Christ said and keeping these commandments. Because you can't bear this false witness. And you don't want to be the wicked servant. 
and you certainly don't want to steal. You wouldn't want to invade other countries, you know, like Germany invaded Poland or other countries have invaded other countries and take away spoils, whether they be oil or coal or whatever. You don't want to be a part of that. You want to be a part of a system that operates by faith, open charity, and love for one another. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is what he's saying in Romans. Love worketh no ill to its neighbors. It won't exterminate 20 million people, 23 million people. It won't send them to gulags. I mean, today in the United States, which is, you know, a fairly decent country as countries go, as governments go, it has more people in prison than any other country. And most of those people are in prison for nonviolent crimes. What are they in for? Why are they in prison? Are they political prisoners? We wouldn't want to think so, because then we're faced with this cognitive dissonance again. And that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. That means we have to become a government of God. We're not overthrowing any other government. We're turning over our hearts to the ways of God. And start coming together in congregations that actually sacrifice for one another to spend the time, the energy, even the funds, to seek out all those people who are willing to live by faith, hope, and charity. That's what you can do. Work in the direction of the kingdom, not only for yourself, but for others. Spend your life for others. Give up your life for others that you may have life more abundant. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to work for. That's what we need to spend our time doing. If you can't spend that much time, spend something else so that others may spend more time. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. I, I repeat that because that is so much what we need to do. Are we awakening others to what we have begun to awaken to? Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in uh, chambering in wantonness, not in self-indulgence, but also not in strife and envying one another but in service to one another. This is what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be like he was who came to serve, not to be served. The question won't be, what about us poor suckers or saps? The question will be, how can I help others?
make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be willing to sacrifice your own comfort for the salvation of others. That's what you need to do. As a believer in Christ, you would be like Christ, and you would be doing that. But everybody is out there interested in saving themselves. And, okay, we are complex creatures, and therefore some of us will be haunted with that temptation. But as we overcome that temptation, we become like Christ. Now, this week we had a number of things that were written into uh, the uh, websites and uh, into the uh, communications with the, the contact ministers and questions on different uh, sites, like I think this is on the Carolina group, where it asks about Luke 12:11, And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, Take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer and what ye shall say. In other words, the kingdom is in the moment. So he will give you your words. If you're going to represent Christ, you're going to have to use his words. Now, you can think about it ahead of time. You can talk about it. You can learn. You can study to show thyself approved, but ultimately you need to be walking in the moment. The word unto in that statement, unto magistrates, it's not even in the original text. The translators put it in there. And the word synagogue there is only the word for assemblies. And there are all kinds of ways to assemble. You can assemble under constitutions. You can assemble based on love, you can assemble based on uh, membership in a union. Now the word that we see there is power is exclusia. And as a noun, it refers to those uh, who have the right to choose. And of course now the original right to choose, the higher right to choose, was given by God. We are endowed by a creator with certain inalienable rights. Governments came second. They came with Cain and Nimrod and Pharaoh. So they also have rights to choose, but theirs didn't come from God. Theirs came from men who gave their right to choose up to these other governments. In the kingdom of God, your ministers have a right to choose, but they don't take away your right to choose. They have the right to choose over that which you give up to them, sacrifice to them. Every time you give something to somebody for the benefit of somebody else, you create a trust. So every time you contribute to any church, you're creating a trust. Because you contributed something for the benefit of somebody else. When you give to Social Security, you make your Social Security payment. That's a trust. And trusts are regulated by governments, especially if you're in that government or a part of that government. And even especially more so when the ministers of that trust are a part of the government. The government can regulate that trust. But we have a thing we call a sacred purpose trust. 
because what is given is not given to us except as trustees or ministers. It's given to God. And when you give a donation to the church, the church has a right to decide what to do with it. So they have the power. When you give to the government, the government has the right to decide what to do with it. When you give to the government of God, the church, it has the right to decide what to do with it. But in the government of the church, you maintain your right to give next time. In the governments of the world, once you begin to contribute, you have to contribute according to their schedule. This is the difference between the two forms of government. One, you maintain your rights endowed to you by God, those original rights to choose, and the only right you give up is the right to choose over a particular object you give. That particular object you give, you give up the right to choose over it, but not the right to choose what you do today or tomorrow or the next day. It's that simple. So what does a believer do? He starts to give to ministers that he thinks he can trust. He looks out amongst himself, picks men he trusts, and says, I'll give to that man. And then he watches that man to make sure that man uses the power to choose over that object rightly so, because tomorrow you may have to give again, and you want to make sure that he's doing a good job. If he's out buying big black uh, diamond rings and uh, fancy cars and jet-setting around the world with the money that you've given him, does that sound like Christ? No, it doesn't sound like Christ to me. So you should stop sacrificing to that guy because I don't think he's using that money according to the ways of Christ. If you see him out trying to bring people together in faith, hope, and charity then maybe that is like Christ, because that's what Christ was doing. That's what John the Baptist was doing. You have two coats, your neighbor has none share. This is the message that he was giving. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, not performing simply sacrifice, but mercy. That's why the wicked servant doesn't show much mercy, because that spirit of mercy is not in the system that he is serving. But in God's system, the good servant shows mercy and continues to serve whether he is supported or not because he is a man of sacrifice. In the nature of the state, as God made you, that would be you. In the nature, excuse me, in the natural state, as God made you, that would be you. That would be the way God wanted us to be, but we have been remade in another image, in the image of Cain, where he bludgeons his neighbor if his neighbor doesn't contribute enough. If you have made covenants with others of the world, they may have a right to choose for you. You have given up your higher power, your higher right to choose in exchange for his salvation, for his protection. Let's 
Scusius translated jurisdiction in Luke 23, 7, and he says, and as soon as he knew, he's talking about Pilate, that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time, although Herod had no authority in Jerusalem, he wasn't king in Jerusalem. There was no king in Jerusalem except for Christ. But it says here, belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, power, right to choose. But that's not really a fair translation. The word in Greek translated belonged is esti. It's normally translated is, and the word unto is from ek, normally translated from or of, meaning out of. Jesus was from the area of Herod, normally had jurisdiction over. Herod did not have jurisdiction over Jerusalem, which is where Jesus was said to be king. He had been hailed, highest son of David. He was king. He was in the Gastaphon, uh, the royal treasury. instructing the ministers. He was firing the money changers. This is the job of the king. Had been that way since the days of David. He was the king. But Herod did not have the right to choose over him, and Herod actually arrayed him in royal robes, which is why the Roman centurions later on were cutting up those robes, because they were enlaced with jewelry and gold and a map of all of Jerusalem. Herod actually accepted and recognized Christ. It was the soldiers who mocked him. Because in Jewish law, there could be no standing army. They want to have a standing army, a cavalry, keeper of horses, keeper of stables. It wasn't that he couldn't raise horses, that he couldn't have an army at his disposal because it depended on an all-volunteer militia. That's a sure sign that you're not in the kingdom if the government you're in has a professional army protecting it. Why does it have that? Because it's afraid of the people. <laughs> now, I'll admit that God's government won't work most places because most people won't work at it. But we're not looking for most people. We're looking for those who believe. Who actually believe in the idea that you can have a government based on faith, hope, and charity. Also, there's the word magistrate in that quote. Uh, normally, the word magistrate comes from a strategic uh which is translated magistrate about five times. It's also translated captain about five times. But uh, here in that particular verse of uh, Luke 12:11, uh, it's the word arche, which is translated beginning 40 times, principality eight times, corner twice, first twice, and uh, about six other different ways. It means beginning or origin. And so to translate it magistrate in that one place, it's not really going to be fair, bringing you unto the synagogues, and there was assemblies, any kind of assembly, uh, unto the first person of those assemblies, 
which might be magistrates. And, uh, and those that have the right to choose over those assemblies. And why would they do that? It goes back to what we were talking about earlier on blog talk is that they can't stand to have competition. They can't stand to have somebody have an alternative society. If we were to seek to become the real church, we will face persecution. So the fact is, is you cannot do this out of selfish motives because if you do, you will not have the Holy Spirit with you. You have to do it out of the same motives that Christ came to serve others. So that's one of the things that you have to do is you have to start thinking, how can I help us? Ask not what your kingdom can do for you, but ask rather what you can do for your kingdom. Not because you can do it, because you can't. But that has to be the approach that you make, and then God will do the rest. You have to be willing to sacrifice so that you may have life more abundant. So these are pretty simple concepts. And, but they're implemented in a very simple idea of networking together with congregations. Those congregations have to be small and intimate, so that's why there were always ten families, which ten families can be a lot of people. You can have 20, 30 people in one family. Uh, you have your your sons and their children, and your unmarried daughters are all considered part of one family. And so, you know, if you had six sons or four sons or even three sons, they could have amongst them quite a few children. Now, today we have, we're a world and society of small families, but I was just reading about Anne Hutchinson. She had 15 children. I mean, eventually we're all wiped out just about, I think, except for one red-headed daughter uh, by an Indian attack. And the one that had daughter hid in split rocks, as the story goes. And uh, the Indians, maybe because of her red hair, because they called her Autumn Leaf, I think, or something, um, didn't kill her. And she was eventually ransomed and brought back to civilization. And I don't know what happened to her descendants, but anyway, she had uh, quite a few children. Big families were common, because people believed in the idea of being fruitful and multiplying. Today, the state doesn't want you to have big families. They just they import the new people, the workers of their society. Family will center to the kingdom. It's not to the world. So anyway, uh, there's a couple of things that we want to remind you. If you want to come to the festival this year out here, the last weekend of September and the first weekend of October, we're getting ready for you, and you could start getting a hold of us on the network and, and getting a hold of the local contact ministers and telling us if you're coming and what you're bringing and what you're going to want to share because the kingdom's all about sharing, and uh, we can make preparations. But it should be a good time at the festival, and if you're interested in coming, let us know. 
and we have people forming carpools. People are going to come in by plane. It'd be nice if we picked everybody up by plane or uh, got people who were going to rent a car, give them a ride out here. Uh, we will try to provide special accommodations for people who might have a little bit harder time of it, but we have limited resources in that area too. But we're working day and night on the subject uh, on this project. So. Uh, Help us out by communicating to us what you can contribute, what you want to bring, what you want to share with others, whether it's information or maybe your favorite food dish or whatever. It's all about sharing. It's like a gigantic week-long potluck of sharing, uh, understanding, talents, um, skills, etc. And we're having that here in Summer Lake, Oregon. You can find out more at thisholychurch.org uh, or at uh, burningbushfestival.org. And that's what we're calling it, the Burning Bush Festival, because we're the anti-culture, anti-culture. We are the ones who are repenting and turning around and going back the other way. Uh, if you want to make a call in the second half hour and ask any kind of questions, uh, we have a call-in number that I will give you, and you can write down and call in. You can also call in and just listen to the show, but I assume that you're already listening <laughs> so, on the radio. But uh, it's 559-726-1300, 559-726-1300. And you have to have a code, 795-132. Seven nine five one three two. We also have a chat room that you can go into, and if you have any questions you want to ask in the chat room, just ask it. Put a bunch of question marks there. Somebody will be trying to monitor that and pass the question on to us, and we will deal with this idea of what should a Christian do. To me, it's so self-evident. It's hard for me to go over it and over and over again. And specifically, a lot of people want a checklist of what should I do. And a checklist is not viable because every one of you will have different skills, different abilities, different mission, and God will have to reveal that to you on an individual basis. But one of the ways in which you will come to the realization of what you should do is to interact with other people on the same road, traveling in the same direction. Just like people coming out to the retreat, some of them are carpooling, some of them may be caravanning, some of them may be meeting others along the way and fellowshipping with them on the way here, on the way back. And that will share information. They share uh, camaraderie and fellowship. If we are so far from the kingdom, it's going to take every bit of time and energy you have to get back to where we're going. And it still won't be enough without the grace of God. But you will not receive the grace of God unless you are submitting to the ways of the Holy Spirit. Unless you're letting the Holy Spirit come in and remake you in the image of Christ, which is the image of self-sacrifice. And it, there is a burden with seeking the kingdom, but that burden is light compared to the world. And we'll talk more about some of that when we return to peace of the kingdom. And if you have any questions... Call that number. Go answer.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. For any single program on tape, MP3 CD or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregor, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we're talking specifically about this idea of what can a real believer do. And we talked earlier on Blog Talk about cognitive dissonance, and we'll talk again uh, this afternoon. I'll be actually probably on several shows this afternoon. Uh, We have to start realizing that we have received... um, a lot of information over the years that is simply incorrect and does not compute, so to speak. It does not bear the full gospel of the kingdom. And what's happened is that people have taken certain phrases that are contradicting their personal, what they consider to be sound doctrine, and simply removing them from their thinking. They're placing less importance. Oh, that's not important. Uh, that's not uh, something that we need to worry about. And in fact, it is something we need to be concerned about. And what happens is that when you start doing that, when you start turning a blind eye, start hiding from some of the truth, which is what they did way back in the garden, they hid from the truth in the presence of God, they are going to receive for themselves damnation. They're going to be cut off from life. They will not see things coming. Now, right now, there, there was a coronal mass ejection on the sun just the other day, and uh, it's sending components towards the earth. Now, it wasn't a, it was a, it was a broad uh, filament-type uh, uh, coronal mass ejection. It had immediate effect on the earth's environment, 
the photon flux in the Earth environment. So that means it is probably headed our way. And of course, uh, the first readings is that an element of it is headed our way. And it'll arrive here sometime around September 2nd. And these can have disastrous effects. And, and a lot of people don't realize how the events on the sun, which Christ said to look for events on the sun. Now, this is not, you know, the end of the world. I'm not preaching, you know, uh, into the calendar or anything like that. I'm just saying that these things are happening, and you don't see them happening. You don't know that they're happening. Uh, and it, But they're happening just the same. And you don't realize that when you turn your back on some of the truths that are in the Bible, some of the gospel of Jesus Christ, some of them just take this element out and say, oh, that's not as important because we're saved by grace. And you take out not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do with the will of the Father. You take out, oh, well, you want eternal life, keep the commandments. You take those things out of the equation of the gospel, and you've divided it, and now you have a dark spot where you're not going to see the truth. And this is what what is this creating this cognitive dissonance, this conflict inside you, this war inside you that can bring about disease and all kinds of other things. The reality is is that if you if you go back in history, and you don't have to go way back in history. Uh, uh, on this day in history, in 1923, uh, there was an earthquake in Japan, the Kanto earthquake, leveled Tokyo in Yokohama in 1923. It killed 300,000 people. 300,000 people. That's over a quarter of a million people just from that single earthquake. Of course, now in wars, we... We, we end up doing a lot more damage than that. But the fact is there can be a series of earthquakes that can not only disrupt and kill people instantly in those earthquakes, but can disrupt business, disrupt food supplies, disrupt uh, power and electricity, which will have a chain reaction. And eventually one of these CMEs is going to knock out power on the sunless side of the face of the earth. It's just inevitable. With would have happened back in the 1800s. It did do it to what little power we had circulating around in wires, which was telegraph. It melted telegraph wires. But if it happened today, it could it could just bring down the grid for six months to a year. Well, can you do without electricity in your city for six months to a year? You will have sewage going into every river in the United States within a very short period of time. You have oil shortages, food shortages, you have all that. That We are a card house of technology. So you need to be seeking a kingdom just to prepare for that. But if your motivation is fear of that, that will get in the way of the birth of the Holy Spirit in your heart and your mind. You cannot be driven by fear. You must be driven by love cannot find your way to the kingdom based on fear alone. But sometimes fear may wake you up. Now that you're awake, you need to be moving by love. Except most of you are not awake. Well, maybe, I don't know what the percentage is on this particular broadcast. Something brought you this far, anyway. 
So anyway, the, this idea is that you need to start doing things, everything in your life in another direction. You know, not asking what, how it will benefit me, but asking how I can benefit others, how I can come to serve, what is better. Christ asks this, to be served or to come in service. You need to come to serve others, and then you will be saved by that heart. So anyway, uh, we've got another hour to this show, and I just don't know how to keep repeating the same answer of what you must do now. So I'm going to ask uh, if any of the uh, contact ministers want to call in, or any of the ministers of record. I know there's a lot of commotion going on on the Internet uh, concerning how the church is organized. Uh, I talk about free assemblies, and, of course, that's very simple. Uh, you just gather together with others with this motivation of how can we help one another? How can we help? Are you gathering with people that have school-age children? Are they homeschooling? Can we help with their education? Uh, do we have people amongst us who are sick? I have a neighbor who just went into the hospital last night. He's Unfortunately, he's taking chemotherapy for bone cancer. And it's wearing away on him. He's not a young man. And it's wearing away on his immune system. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's quite a battle. But if you gather together in an assembly, can you bring about good health for the people in your assembly? Because you're in the kingdom of God, you're health, education, and welfare, because you'll be the only system on your block that operates out of faith, hope, and charity. The regular Christians... The new modern Christians, they don't operate that way. They go to the men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. They hire the wicked servants to go around and beat up their neighbors to make sure that there's enough money to provide them with free health care and free education. They call themselves, well, most of them don't call themselves socialists, but they are socialists, progressive socialists. They're Nazis. They're national socialists. That's what Nazis were. And they will be, those Christians will be the ones persecuting the real Christians more so than anybody else because of why? The cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance theory warns that people have a bias to seek uh, this consonance amongst their cognitions. They have a bias. They will think, oh, well, you're just taking a few words out of context and you're proving your whole thing based on this, and so therefore you must be wrong because this is, I, I already believe this, and this is different than what you're telling me. A classic illustration of cognitive dissonance is expressed in the fable of the fox and the grapes by Aesop. In the story, the fox sees some high-hanging grapes and wishes to eat them. 
when the fox is unable to think of a way to reach them, he decides that the grapes are probably not worth eating. And the justification, the grapes probably are not right, and that they are sour, and sour grapes. This example follows a pattern one desires something, finds it unattainable, and reduces one's dissonance by criticizing it. It's called adaptive preference formation. You can't get to the kingdom of God. You can't find the kingdom of God. You can't have a society based on faith, hope, and charity. It's unattainable. It's impossible. Oh, we know it's impossible for us to do it. But for Christ to do it in us, that's not impossible. That's where faith comes in. The fact that it's not easy doesn't make it impossible. You see, so that that's one of the things that this cognitive dissonance does, is that there's a conflict here. How can we say that we're not coveting our neighbor's goods when we've been living in a social estate for over a hundred years? The United States is a socialist state. Australia is a socialist state. England is a socialist state. Now, there's no debate about the fact that England is a socialist state, but most Americans will not admit that America has been a socialist state for 100 years. But with the implementation of public school, that's socialism. And that's what that's why we're where we are at today. Today people say, Oh, we want to elect this guy because and I won't say which one, because he's not as much of a socialist or a communist as this other guy. So if we elect this guy, this will be better than that guy. We've been doing this for decades and decades. How's that working out for you? We just keep sliding more and more because most people you covet their neighbor's goods. We've got a call-in question. Great. Let's uh, I'll let him on. Him or her. Hello, you're on the air. Do you have a question? Who is Hi, it? Hi, Paul. This is Scott in Iowa. It's Scott with a question. It's always. I, I'm, I'm willing to answer that prayer when Greg calls it out and says, Hey, what do you want to talk about? You know, keeping it in line with the uh, theme today of what do we do next? Um, and you asked earlier, you know, some of the things for the uh, what's going to happen at the whirlwind tour, what people want to do. One of the projects that uh, Lus Hills has talked about as a core of families is um, how can the Kingdom Department of Energy help the families become more self-sufficient, maybe reduce their power bill if they're on the grid, things like that make them a little more self-sufficient in the advent of a loss of power for whatever reason. So uh, we're actually starting a project here uh, we hope to bless uh, Summer Lake with when we get out there hopefully. <laughs> Keep us in your prayers that we can do this. But we've uh, uh, scoured through and found uh, Tim actually was the one that found the uh, design that we're sh using but we're um, uh, building a wind generator, 
to help uh, uh, as a prototype uh, to maybe, you know, when the families in the congregation or out in the network pray for this um, Department of Energy for some help. You know, we've got the skills to build our own wind generators and different things like that, alternative power sources to help families uh, get a little freer. So we're going to hopefully bring uh, this generator with us um, so that the people at the, at the uh, Burning Bush Festival will be able to see how simple this is to build. We're making the body out of PVC, ABS uh, components and, and some galvanized pipe and and uh, we have a little generator motor and, and uh, that sort of thing. So it's really pretty simple to make, and it can help power some lights or whatever, bat, you know, chargers. You know, obviously, it's not a huge array, but uh, this is a single generator. But if people had uh, a place like we were thinking in Oregon, uh, don't you have wind constantly out there in that summer like <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot of wind out here, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, we've thought about doing that, and that's one of the things is, uh, you know, we've, we've tried to put together plans on this, and we've got whole files on it, but it's another thing to actually get around to doing it. The last uh, few weeks uh, we've been working on our uh, comfort station. That's what we've decided to call the uh, the restrooms. Uh, or outhouse, uh, we call it the comfort station. Actually, we yesterday we decided to name it the Kumbaya comfort station. <laughs> so, uh, but that's been consuming a lot of our time. We went out there to work on it yesterday and discovered that a head gated uh, down in the irrigation system in one of the fields had uh, begun to leak, and so we had to dig that out by hand. And while doing that, I stepped on a rattlesnake. Uh, but evidently he didn't want to bite me and but everything takes time and the more people you have working in a particular direction you know we don't all have to reinvent the wheel we can start sharing and showing and demonstrating you can learn so much more by actually seeing working models actually operating uh, which reminds me of when I, I was trying to learn how to spin wool, and I was looking in the little, we didn't have the Internet back in those days, and we were trying to figure out and looking at little pictures of spinning wheels, and I couldn't quite figure out how they were working with a flyer wheel. I figured out the great wheel and the spindle, but I couldn't understand how the flyer was working. And then somebody gave a demonstration at a library about 75 miles away, and so I went there, and I sat there with about, 15 other children from the ages of 9 to 7 <laughs> and me and I saw this lady spinning wool with a fire and after seeing it for a few minutes I went home and built one because uh, I understood that working model is very important and these feasts are a great opportunity for as many possible working models that you can see because everybody will go home with actually seeing things functioning and working, which is one of the struggles that we've had with creating these congregations of record, is to actually get them functioning as they should. should. So uh, that sounds great if you guys can pull that off. You've got room and you're, what, are you driving in an Accord or... Well, we don't know yet. I'm not. I can't really speak on that matter yet. But I am very 
hopeful and prayerful that one of the families in the congregation will be led to uh, come with us. Um, if that doesn't happen, then we'll be pulling our trailer and we'll uh, we'll have room to, to bring everything. But, you know, the nice thing about this is we are trying to find ways of building this little um, wind generator for, you know, trying to no more than $200 and trying to keep it as low as possible. So we're trying to find, um, hopefully, to repeat this process. Now, we did find a motor this time off of eBay. Uh, for us to use for this specific project because we didn't want to waste too much time with the upcoming festival uh, right around the corner. But, you know, we're going to be scouring for uh, used electric lawnmowers and anything that has uh, treadmills, you know, that have these uh, generators in them and, of course, test them out to find out what kind of RPMs are needed to get uh, a voltage coming off of them. But, Depending on where you live, if you are in a high wind area, you know, then we can use a higher RPM motor and you're still going to get power coming off of it. But we can, you know, we can really build these things for families in the congregations fairly inexpensively. And they, they're a great little project that all these families can get together and learn how to do and fabricate these blades uh, to make the right aspect ratios to get great performance. And they're really, they're really not that difficult. Uh, yeah, if uh you know what we could do if you if you get this off the ground in here, uh we could try to make sure that some of those components are available and assemble of an additional one. You know, right while you're here. Right. Uh yeah. well, if we have enough if we have enough funds uh in the government treasury, the kingdom government treasury here, then you know, that's something that uh pray about and and see if I'm led to maybe get enough stuff to make more than one because um, most of the components are fairly inexpensive the biggest expense uh, obviously would be the actual you know little motor generator uh, DC generator that fits into the housing that you build and then uh, maybe the hub and and uh, you know the, the uh, uh, hub assembly that the blades attach to which even that is, you know, if you have the ability to fabricate on uh, metal fabrication with, um, you know, uh, drill press and different things like that, you, you can make those hub assemblies yourself um, rather than having to purchase them and saving money. So, right. you know, these are these are things that we're hoping that, you know, the elders have all gotten together. So this is kind of, again, what do we do next? You know, as the elders start coming together, after they're comfortable with one another through maybe lots of time of fellowship to really build those relationships, now they start to see this kingdom pattern and they make a choice. Who do I want to pray to for my government benefits? Do I pray to the Department of Energy over there with Uncle Sam or do I pray to the Kingdom Department of Energy to get myself my own power system? And, of course, we all work together to make sure that everybody uh, gets their their alternative power system in their homes. And then, yeah, the most you know, efficient way. We will have a, we already have a mobile trailer that uh, has a generator and a wire welder on it, as well as a compressor. And uh, we move that around here anyway uh, for the agriculture. We're always welding on our old equipment. Uh, and so we'll have that available. And we just uh, hooked up another trailer that we're going to have. Uh, generator on a 
you know, gas-operated generator, but we're also going to put a battery banks on that so we can move power around. Uh, I just about got to the point of testing uh, the kitchen spring yesterday and decided that I needed to rebuild the filter that's on the bottom. <laughs> so I took that home and built it last night. But uh, So things are moving along and we're, we're going to be putting up more and more pictures of the progress here. But any of these projects, and hopefully if other people are coming with other know-how and knowledge, they can contribute to that. Because we've seen over the years that when you get different people that have, you know, done that and got the T-shirt, that they can add a lot to a project real quick, saying, oh, you know, all you have to do is this. And suddenly you just save three hours of work. <laughs> right. Well, what I found really encouraging as the minister here was this project was brought to an elder, from an elder, to me as the minister, the government servant. And this, this elder has no intention whatsoever of being able to go to Summer Lake. And it was their idea to do this. So, I mean, that, that is huge encouragement, you know, to see these, these steps coming forward and people starting to pick up on what this is really all about and how to make it manifest in the flesh by doing these things, by actually bearing good fruit. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the things a lot of people, you know, this is a long way. Everybody can't come here, but everybody can be a part of what we do here, even from home, if you figure a way in which you can contribute. And, you know, when we say contribute, we're not saying, you know, send us all your money or, you know, your credit card number or something. But there's lots of ways that you can contribute, little bits of information or what have you. And uh, uh, we've got uh, several people here now. Claude from Vermont is here. Uh, and he's probably listening on the radio uh, right now. But... Uh, uh, and then we have Neats on from New York and uh, Justice from California. And everybody's been working real hard to get some of these projects done to get ready. And we're always way behind because we've got a million things that are always coming up uh, doing. But uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. And, you know, we can accumulate, because I know transportation is a problem, we can accumulate some of these things here. Uh, I think uh, Nitsan's going to be teaching people how to weave nets. Uh, that's a project that he's been just working on on his own, trying to learn how to do it. And uh, he already was pretty good at knots, but we had graduated his knot tying up to uh, net making. And hopefully he'll be showing people how to do that. But it, it it's fellowship by doing. It's not just sitting around, you know, telling old war stories and, Although, although we'll have our campfire times, but uh, you know, another project we have is uh, uh, building a big cook stove, uh, community cook stove, and we've accumulated fire brick. We've accumulated uh, a special stone, which is kind of interesting. Where it was mined, we thought we we couldn't figure out where that stone had come from. And we found in digging out here, I found that it's under, there's a layer, a thin layer of about uh, half a foot thick stone that runs for miles 
under the ground. And if you get down to it in certain places, the old settlers actually dug down to it and cut that stone out and used it to build their chimney. And so we're going to use some of that to uh, uh, build a, uh, a large communal cook stove with uh, uh, some of the same principles of uh, earthen ovens. You know, the uh, it, what, what do you call it? It's not earthen oven. Uh, it's the clay ovens. What do they call that? Yeah, it's it's an earthen oven uh, made from like what they refer to as cob. Cob. Is that yeah. the word you're looking for? Yeah, I was, I was looking for that, uh, the cob. And we found some layers of clay. I'll have to dig out some more. Uh, it's down a little ways, but thankfully we've got a backhoe now to dig it out. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll try to get some of that together and see if we can't come up with a design with the raw materials that we have. Well, no, and, and, you know, cob work is so much fun for the kids. Because you're getting to play in the dirt and mud and muck and get all the filthy dirty, and, you know that's a great way to get the kids involved in there and they're slapping the mud on the form and and stomping on the mud and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's a bunch of big kids. Yeah, we get to return to our childhood in this. So anyway, yeah. the idea of the festival is to have a lot of fun, but also have reward in that fun, not just idle fun, but uh, fun that actually we all come away a little bit more enriched at the end of the time that we're here. So uh, hopefully that will come about. And, uh, well, and that should be the goal, really, of, of the congregations every day in every moment. Yes. To, to do that. That's what, how they should be thinking. Yeah, and, you know, that seems like such a simple thing, uh, you know, from our point of view, looking back towards the world that we're all coming out of, <coughs> excuse me, and, and seeing that, you know, Christ made it so clear that, you know, who, who you know, what is better, to come to serve or be served? And, uh, you know, but people just kind of leave that out, you know, to the point where now religious services is of service to nobody. It doesn't provide anything for anybody but comfort. And uh, that comfort is an illusion. And the reason they have to be comforted is because they have this cognitive dissonance where they have to leave out part of the gospel in order to feel comfortable with the one the part that they want to keep. But anyway, we're coming up on a break. Uh, yep, we'll I did my part to get you through a half an hour. <laughs> so I'll get <laughs> off of here, and hopefully somebody else will call in and help you out. We're still out of half an hour. Okay. Right. Give my best to everybody at Logan. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. 
The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. If you read the history books, the most often asked questions of Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'll give that number out again in case people, unless there's a caller coming in now. But uh, uh, if I could get my mouse to work here, I could pull that number up. (laughs) 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 It's not working. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Uh, You have a number there, Paul? 559-726-1300. It's five five nine seven two six one three zero zero, and then it'll ask you for a caller ID, and that will be seven nine five one three two, seven nine five one three two, and it may give you instructions. I don't know. I've never called in from that position, but if you need to ask a question, just press star six, and that will raise your hand, and we'll get you on the air. 
Okay. Uh, anyway, we're talking about what you can do now if you're really a believer, and the, probably one of the key elements to that is I keep going back to are you really a believer, a believer in what? People say believer in Christ, but which Christ would that be? Because there are so many versions of who people think Christ was. Uh, one of the articles I've been trying to work on every morning is uh, this one on does God hate you? Because the Bible definitely refers to the fact that God hates the Nicolaitans and the deeds of the Nicolaitans, the deeds of Balaam and Esau. And the fact is all those uh, elements in the biblical text are related to the same attitude in event. And when we eventually explain what that attitude in event is, there will be a huge cognitive dissonance <laughs> in people because they are addicted to the very thing that God hates. And uh, it's related to the fact that you waive your God-given rights. You take, your rights are a benefit. They are a blessing. They are a gift from God. Your right to choose. God gives you the right to choose. But of course you will not choose rightly if you turn your back on God. Your choice will be influenced by others. You will, uh, there will be this uh, predestination based on that spiritual choice to face God, to see his face, to let him see yours. But we hide from God. And once we do that, we choose to turn our back on the truth of our own failing, our own weakness. Then there is a predestination at that point of that choice that you will die. You will decrease. You will be enslaved. You will be under tribute. You will be disenfranchised from the tree of life because you've chosen to turn your back on the truth. You have to bear a true witness. It's not enough not to bear a false witness. You have to become a true witness of the ways of God. And uh, that addiction that we suffer where we, we think, well, we can fix this. We can solve this. We can elect this person. We can elect that person. We can join this group. We can join that group. And then we will be saved. It doesn't work that way. Uh, we have to repent. We have to turn around and we have to start operating in another way. And when you start to do that, when you start to take steps in the direction of that belief, you will come face to face with how much you don't really believe yet like the man who asked for the first miracle in the Bible, uh, other than that of the marriage of Canaan. He said he wanted he wasn't asking for himself. He was asking for his son, although there would be elements of for himself because this was a burden to have a son possessed and trying to kill himself. But he was asking for his son to save his son. And God asked or Christ asked, Do you believe? Are you a believer? And he answered honestly that he was a believer, but he needed help with his unbelief. And that is why Christ 
saved his son because he he knew that he believed, but he had needed help with his unbelief. So you say, what does a believer do now? He helps others with their unbelief. They don't believe that you can have a society based on sacrifice, based on giving, based on free will offerings. People won't won't contribute. There won't be enough. We won't be able to have our health clinic. We won't be able to have our free education. Because people won't share. They're selfish. Well, most people are. But those who aren't need to come together and need to be helped with their unbelief by you giving up everything, if need be, in order to show them that you can give up. You can give up your life. You can give up your life and have life more abundant. People don't believe that's possible. They don't believe you can step out of the boat and walk on water. They don't believe you can do that. I understand. That's a hard thing to believe. Do you believe that you can live by charity? That you can have a successful society based on charity and love for one another? Do you believe that? Then you're a believer. Now, what does a believer do? He helps other people with their unbelief by becoming the demonstration of that very giving up. Taking and giving up, saying, I'm not going to covet my neighbor's goods. I'm not going to force my neighbor to contribute to my welfare. I'm going to find a way to do this without contributing to the beast, nature. That's that's the danger. Not not the fact that you may pay tribute, but that you contribute to the beast nature of mankind. The idea that you cannot do this by faith, hope, and charity. You cannot be governed by righteousness. You must govern by force. This is the primary temptation of the devil. To get you to believe that, no, you've got to make it happen. I, I should say one of the primary. It was, you know, that was the Cain concept. And we, we have a show on that Cain syndrome that you can go back and listen to in the archives. But the important thing is, is that you start walking the walk. Not just talking the talk. Not just being a sayer of the word, but a doer of the word. And that means congregations, assemblies, free assemblies, where you gather together with other people to test the metal their faith is made out of. Because it's that faith that will set you free, heal you, cure you. And that's where we have to go. That's that's the journey. That's seek ye shall find. Ask and it shall be given. But you must become a giver too, like Christ. And when you find yourself being selfish, you know, hey, I'm not as Christ-like as I thought. But then if you see that and you look at that, you shed light on that. And where there is light, there cannot be darkness. And you are filled more and more with light, more and more with giving. And it becomes easier and easier. Although you will all have your moments of selfishness. <laughs> and say, oh, do I really have to get up and do that for these other people who are unappreciative? <laughs> but, you know, it becomes second nature. It becomes a part of your nature. And 
what you want is the character of Christ to become your first nature, your first love. Go back and return to the Father and do the will of the Father. This has been the challenge from the beginning. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being righteous. But we're not righteous. In order to overcome that dissonance, we have to be willing to see that we are not righteous and that we have been selfish and we have been deceived and that we are turning around. So if you guys want to come out and meet some of the other people, I hear we're going to have the music of uh, uh, of a fellow who was here before. Last time he was here, he only brought his guitar. Uh, but now he's talking about bringing his cello and his violin. And uh, so we'll see. And then we have uh, drums coming from Michigan, I believe. And uh, what other musical instruments can you bring? Uh, what other talents can you bring? Do you have skills you want to share with others? And uh, we'll, we've got to start getting ready to schedule these things. I know that most of this will be done in the last minute. Because the kingdom is a last-minute kind of place. <laughs> it was starting to sprinkle when they were sealing up the doors of the ark. And so I figure that the same thing will be true with us. But for those of you who are preparing and figuring out how the church was organized and now starting to do that, we had an interesting conversation on the PCM group uh, of late, exactly what is a sacred purpose trust. Maybe we can address that here in this last hour. Uh, if there are no questions coming from the chat room or no one calling in, maybe we'll do that. Um, there was one, a couple additions to what Scott was saying with his wind generator. Is also another very simple activity is making candles for when the power goes out. They're pretty handy to have, or kerosene lamps, oil lamps, things like that. So is somebody uh, offering to put that on? No, they're just mentioning it. Oh, telling me more stuff I could do. <laughs> <laughs> or me, or Scott. Or, <laughs> you know. Well, we actually have a lot of wax here, and uh, I think we even have some wax molds and stuff like that. Uh, Alicia was going to maybe put on some stuff about pain-free and, and how uh, by changing the way we walk and stand and posture that we can alleviate a lot of the problems that we suffer. Uh, with some basic exercises that help us stretch certain tendons and move our body back into its proper shape. Um, and she's she was our candle expert there for a while, uh, so I don't know. That's the thing is that uh, the uh, uh, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. <laughs> so. Well, well, to be fair, it's Claude in Australia. Oh, he's got a long way to go if he wants to come. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, uh, you know, I could pull out my leather tanning stuff and show people how to tan hides. And uh, I thought about, I've got one sheet that needs shearing. I put it off, and uh, if she's still alive by the retreat, maybe we'll show you how to shear a sheep and spin wool. Uh, and we've got so many skills that we've accumulated over the years here. Uh, but I cannot be chief cook and bottle washer because <laughs> uh, it starts to wear thin. But uh, but we are starting to get more. I just I, and I know there'll be some more talented people that show up. But we need to uh, start getting them to show up. Uh, we haven't got the runway built, 
but uh, neither has the fellow who wanted us to build the runway got his plane finished, so I guess that's not going to happen this this time. But uh, uh, we have the, the site laid out, and we know where it will be. It used to be a runway uh, 50 years ago, and uh, hopefully we'll make it a runway too. That was brought up yesterday, is that will the people be able to land planes here? Well, eventually that's that's where we're moving. Uh, we need a brush breeder in order to do that, and we're making arrangements, but it won't be by this retreat. There's, we're really running out of time to get ready, so we want to make sure we have the Kumbaya comfort station done. That's pretty essential. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to move the kitchen storage unit out there, which is a 14 by 14 building we have jacked up in the air. And uh, we got to get it loaded on a trailer, but there's hay on that trailer. So we have to unload the trailer to load it up with the building. And then we have to find out, can we actually move a 14 by 14 building on this trailer all the way out there? So, but it's an adventure in the kingdom. Every we'll day. Uh, <laughs> by then, we needed to adjust the building yesterday uh, that we were building. It's a 12 by 12 comfort station. And... Uh, so I said, well, I can move it. And so I, I went and got a two-by-six and stuck under one end and lifted it up. And uh, I guess to some people that was impressive that we could just lift it up in the air. <laughs> it will get heavier as we put more and more stuff into it. So, uh, but it's amazing what people can do when they start working together, and that's really what the kingdom is all about. It's not about saving yourself being saved. It's about doing what you can to help save others. And we're going to get wonderful opportunities to do that in the days ahead. One of the things that happens uh, in cognitive dissonance, and I didn't really get into that, is that, uh, and maybe we'll talk more about that on the later broadcast today, but uh, when disaster happens in one community, what happens is you'll often find outlandish rumors starting unrelated to that disaster in other communities that are round about it. In other words, you'll start getting what we see in in the uh, conspiracy theories uh, where people start thinking, oh, this is happening, this is happening, and this fear-mongering starts appearing all around the real problem that doesn't, isn't really related to the real problem. The real problem is that we have abandoned the principles of a free society that operates on faith, hope, and charity. And so people are constantly pointing the fingers at, oh, this thing and this thing, and some of it may have basis in fact, but the reality is they think that this is the problem, this is the problem, New World Order is the problem. The problem is, is that we're not living according to the order of Christ. That's the problem. And that's creating the, the conflict. That all we have to do, we can't change the rest of the world. We can't change all the other people, and we don't have to. We can be changed by changing the path that we're on, which means to repent and turn around and go another way. So right now, most people are dependent upon a treasury that is uh, built up by forced offerings where the wicked servant goes out and beats up people and builds that treasury. It's also based on debt, which is another whole subject in itself. 
where you're uh, enslaving and placing in bondage your children and your children's children and your children's children's children in a pool of debt because you have this common purse and you're all swallowed up in it. So now the other way is this other purse is based on faith, hope, and charity. And both are trusts. When you put your money in the governments of the world, uh, England or Canada or Australia or whatever government you're a part of, that's a trust. That money's in a trust. It's put in for the benefit of others. When you donate to the church, that's a trust too. Well, generally speaking, trusts are regulated in equity. Uh, and therefore they're regulated by the state, by the king, by the powers that be. But the trusts of Christ, the church, is to be regulated by Christ and the Holy Spirit. And that's a different kind of trust. And we call that a sacred purpose trust because it's outside of the realms of statutory controls. And there's been concerted effort over the years to try to bring a few churches that operate in that way, or seemingly do. They operate in that way, but they still are not necessarily operating according to the wholeness of the gospel. But they wanted to bring them under statutory controls, and one of the ways they did that is saying that the churches would have to create a board, a civilian board, to oversee the contributions. And that would bring the whole trust, the whole church, under the regulation of the state. Now, most churches just already do that. They already comply and they already bring their churches under the authority of the state. And they are not separate and they are not sacred because they have uh, been spotted by the world. They have been incorporated or inculcated into the world and the authority of the world. But a sacred purpose trust is when that church is outside the jurisdiction of the world. It is a separate alternative. Now, in one sense, it's a republic, but in another sense, it's a small r republic because it's based on free assemblies. So the assemblies of the people, free or bond, doesn't matter. They come together and what they give to the church, they have to give up entirely. So they give it to who's the church. It's the minister they choose. They look out amongst themselves. They pick the minister. They give it to him, but it's not his. It belongs to Christ. He is responsible for managing it according to the will of Christ. So you want to make sure you give it to a minister who is expressing the character of Christ in all that he does in the way he handles his family, in the way, way he handles his ministry. In order to do that, you need to know who Christ was. Christ came to serve. Does your minister come to serve, or is he up there on a pedestal being served by you? So these are questions that you have to answer, and that's what a Christian needs to be doing daily, is deciding, is my minister bringing me closer to the kingdom of God or closer to Rome? Is he bringing me more to the justification and righteousness of God, or is he just trying to tickle my ears and justify me in my sins? Is he exposing the uncomfortable nature of my error, or is he making me feel good about being in error? 
so that my cognitive dissonance is more comfortable. So these are these are things that we need to take a look at and examine in our own lives, but we need to implement that examination in doing. We have to actually help one another and serve one another and not just pretend to love one another, but actually do it. And I, again, I, I cannot see any way of doing that without coming together in congregations. And if you, and a congregation is not a little uh, mutual back-scratching society. It is a part of a kingdom, which means that that congregation needs to care about other congregations as much as itself. And so in order to do that, you need to profess that we're a congregation here that's professing your faith in a system based on faith, hope, and charity. And that we want to come together with other congregations in other places to be a part of a national network, an international network of faith, hope, and charity. And at that point, when you really start doing that, you start becoming an alternative government, and eventually you will be persecuted. But if you are going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, God will be there, just like the fiery pillar between the armies of Pharaoh and Moses. That's where you need to go, down there on the shores of the Red Sea, and the sea will part for you as well if you have approached this from the point of view of righteousness. So everybody should go on the HisHolyChurch.org website, sign up for the local groups in Illinois or New York or Carolina area or wherever that is covered. Get a hold of the closest and best local contact minister and start working in the direction of forming congregations of record that actually care about each other. Most of the emails, most of the exchanges in the network are not on the email groups. You're not going to sit there on email group and receive the information you're going to need. You're certainly not going to receive the fellowship. You're not going to receive the opportunity of righteousness. You're just on an email group. That email group is to give you the opportunity to actually form real assemblies of record, but not assemblies of power. Because we want you to have the original power. We want you to have the original right to choose. But just because you have the right to choose doesn't mean you will choose wisely. That's between you and God. <coughs> so anyway, uh, we're getting down to the end of another show. I don't know if we have some other announcements that we want to make. We have a lot of congregations of record there. Uh, I put out a prayer request. Okay. For those of you prayerful folks out there, my daughter Christina just embarked on a nine-month mission, so if you could keep her in your prayers for safety and uh, the Holy Spirit, I'd appreciate it. And we will do that. I will see you next week. Uh, thanks for being there, Paul. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.